This is episode 706 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. On today's episode, $100 Prepper Walgreens Medicine Run. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, this episode is sponsored by the exclusive Prepper Website email group, which allows you to communicate with other preppers right from your email. You don't have to worry about your every link, click, or word being tracked by social media. Now this email group resides on the same servers as Prepper Website. Other benefits include members-only videos, periodic webinars, and bi-monthly online meetups. This is a great value for $20 a year. To join the community, visit PrepperWebsite.net or click the link in the show notes. And guys, I wanted to remind you, um, we are doing a Prepper Website uh, exclusive email group preview for our online meetups. And so I mentioned this in last week's episode. If you are listening to this on uh, Monday, August 16th, or even uh, Sunday morning, or I'm sorry, Tuesday morning, August 17th, uh, you still have time to register. But if you are listening to this after August 17th, 2021, you're too late and you'll just have to wait for another preview that we do later on down the road. And so I'm kind of excited to uh, to meet some of you new people on Zoom and I uh, just wanted to give you a little preview of what we do in our online meetup. All right, just a few more things here. Hey, don't forget that if you are interested in receiving the top 10 articles from Prepper website every week, well, I send that to you. It's uh, it's a service that I've started. It's only $5 a month. And so uh, you can uh, get that in your email. It's usually every Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, and uh, you can get the, the top 10 articles. And then if you are a podcast listener, you can easily bring that into pocket. I need to do an updated video. I'm actually going to do an updated video on how to do that because it's just so easy to do. And then you can listen to those articles as you are, um, you know, as a substitute for podcasts that, uh, you know, so sometimes I just I just very I'll be very honest. I have a lot of different podcasts on my podcast catcher, but I'm looking at the titles and sometimes nothing just really interests me. So, you know, I listen to audiobooks and different things like that, but having the Pocket app also allows me to listen to articles and things like that that I save over there, and so it's really easy to use. And then lastly, don't forget, if you are interested in uh, the new Bible study that I put together, it is a video you know, curriculum that I put together six weeks on is preparedness biblical. It's very biblical. It's also based. It's also very preparedness based. One of the things that I did that I've never really seen in doing Bible studies, and I've done a lot of Bible studies from, uh, you know, video curriculum and other types of Bible studies throughout the my years as a, as a minister. But in this one, uh, I did two sets of questions for every lesson. One set is, you know, it's all biblically biblically based on the text and the scriptures that we use for that lesson. And then the other set of questions are preparedness based. So if you are interested in doing that, the link is in the show notes so you can go and check that out. I've made it very, very affordable for people to um, to use it as a Bible study to um, sh- maybe even 
get uh, you know some other believers interested in preparedness. So uh, I'll have more on that as we go a little bit later on. But if you're interested, go check out the link in the show notes. All right. So before I start reading, I got to ask you for just a little bit of patience. I'm dealing with a little bit of congestion and uh, sinus pressure and all that good stuff. So I don't know if you can hear it in my voice. I can. I, I definitely feel it in you know, and uh, I can. I feel like I'm swimming around in there. So uh, just deal with me uh, a little bit. Give me a little bit of patience. Be be patient with me. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, as we move forward on this one. So this article comes to us from askaprepper.com. And it's entitled $100 Prepper Walgreens Medicine Run. I thought this was interesting and something that probably we needed to talk about again. You know, Not too long ago in episode 524, I interviewed Dr. Bone, so um, Dr. Joe Alton. And we talked about medicine that we needed to stockpile. And so that's a, a great episode. I'm actually linking to it in the show notes if you want to go t- uh, take a listen to that one again if you haven't. And then also right after that one, we did episode 525, so we just kind of recorded two back-to-back, where he's talking about antibiotics to stock up on for SHTF. So two really great episodes, but it's been a a long, long time since we've talked about medicines to stockpile, and so I thought this was a really good one, especially as we're looking at all the different shortages. So again, like I said, this is coming to us from askaprepper.com, so let's go ahead and jump into this one. Prepping is a never-ending challenge. Building a stockpile that will see us safely through an emergency we might face is something to be desired, while all the same time like it's something never to be attained. Nevertheless, it's up to us to do it or at least to try and do it as well as we can. There are always areas we find where we need to add to our stockpile. That's part of the process. As long as I've been in this, I still find things that I need to add. Some of those are things I never realized I needed. Some are things which I hadn't stockpiled enough, and some are new items that I find which I hadn't considered before. So one of the areas I find that people tend to overlook is the medical area, both medicine and first aid supplies. Part of this may be because people don't know what to stock, and part might very well be because they're afraid of what it will cost. Medical expenses tend to be high, and we translate that into thinking, that a trip to the pharmacy for over-the-counter medicine and bandages will be high as well. Yet, with some careful planning and buying, we can get everything we need for a reasonable price. Medicines and first aid in general are an important part of survival. We can't assume that the medical community will be intact in the wake of a disaster. Even, Even if it is, whatever hospitals and clinics are open will be overrun with people needing help. The doctors and nurses will be run ragged, attempting to take care of people without the necessary medicines and supplies. As time goes on, the situation will become worse and worse as supplies are used up. It's doubtful there will be any resupply. That's assuming, of course, that we can get any sick or injured family members to a hospital or clinic. Once gasoline supplies run out, we're going to be limited to walking unless we have some other means of transportation, such as a bicycle. That probably wouldn't work very good as a makeshift ambulance. With that in mind, we want to be ready to treat as many as much as we can ourselves. That means having over-the-counter medicine and first aid supplies on hand. It would also be a good idea to take some time to learn as much as you can about first aid and basic medicine. There are ample resources around, such as first aid classes and videos available online. So how can we buy for less? We all face challenges paying for our prep, so before buying anything, it's always a good idea to make sure we're getting a good price. 
Fortunately, Walgreens has a house brand for many products, giving us a good way of saving money right off the bat. But that's not the only way of saving money. Some things can be replaced by less expensive alternatives, something that's definitely worth doing, especially if the alternatives will work around about as well as the original products. So the first stop in our trip to Walgreens is at the over-the-counter medicine. This is the major reason for the trip and one of which we need to spend some time. Symptoms for many minor medical problems can be alleviated through these over-the-counter medicines, allowing the body to heal themselves. While they aren't really curative medicines, a few medicines are. Most just treat symptoms, including many of those we need prescriptions for. Here's a list of things to look for. Pain relievers. Ibuprofen and acetaminophen will take care of most situations. Buying the extra strength version is a better deal. For example, a box of 100 extra strength Tylenol works out to 10.5 cents per pill, which contains 500 milligrams. A box of 100 normal strength Tylenol works out to 8.5 cents per pill, but those are 200 milligrams each. So you'd have to take 2.5 pills to get the same amount of medicine, which makes it 21 cents per dose. Other medicines to take here are lidocaine, a topical anesthetic cream, uh, benzenine, or this is optional. It helps promote adhesion of bandages. So I've never heard of that one before. Uh, hydrocortisone cream for reducing itches from rashes. Antihistamines, equivalent to Benadryl, to reduce runny nose and treat allergies. The Walgreens brand is less than one half the cost of Benadryl. Decongestants, equivalent to Sudafed, to relieve stuffy noses. Dental repair paste for relieving a chipped or broken tooth and lopramide for diarrhea. I probably said that wrong, but I think that was correct. Lopramide. So what are some other medicines? While these items aren't really considered medicines, I highly recommend adding them to your kit. They will serve to alleviate some conditions without having to go find a doctor. Aloe vera gel, not the juice. It can be applied to the skin for treating burns and other skin irritations. If you have aloe vera plants growing at your home, you won't need this as you can harvest the plants and extract the gel right away. Guys, I got to tell you, everybody should have aloe vera plants. They're very easy to, to grow. You don't have to babysit them a lot and they, um, they just multiply. So as they're growing, you can go ahead and separate them out into other pots and uh, even give them away as gifts if you want to. But, you know, the only time that I really ran into losing my aloe vera was when we had the freeze here. Um, I didn't, and it, this one was not the, the freeze in February, 2021. This was just, it all of a sudden started snowing and it was cold outside, but it, we just, it wasn't, it was kind of a surprise and the snow kind of killed them. And uh, yeah, I hated that one because I had some special aloe vera uh, plants that, uh, that I had ordered from Florida, I believe. And uh, I just, I kick myself so much for not bringing those in. But since then, I have purchased more and uh, I do that. I separate them out as they're growing and they start to fill up the, the pots. I uh, go ahead and break them apart and put them into smaller pots. And I think that's just something uh, smart to do. And everybody should really do that. Okay, so garlic is the next one up um, with with vitamins. So you can you can plant garlic, but you can also get this in a vitamin form. So one of the best natural antibiotics in existence, as well as being a natural antifungal and antiviral, 
with the difficulty in buying antibiotics is without a prescription having garlic on hand, as well as other natural antibiotics, is an important part of keeping your family healthy, especially if anyone develops an infection. So definitely, if you can grow garlic, but if you can't, then having a stockpile of garlic is, uh, is something that you might want to consider. So next up in this uh you know, in this article is going to be first aid and first aid supplies. And, you know, one of the things one of our members in the exclusive email group recently said is uh, they were treating, uh, I guess, uh, taking care of taking care of a family member after a surgery. And they thought they had a pretty good stockpile. But then in dealing with this surgery, they realized, you know what, they had some holes in it. And I think that's one of those things. You, you're always going to have holes. And this article addressed that at the very beginning, but uh, you know, sometimes when you think you have everything, you might be saying, you know, that really isn't me. I, you know, I'm pretty well stocked up, but it's one of those things to always go back and revisit because sometimes we think we have something, you know, and we think we bought it or we, you know, maybe we don't remember using it or someone else used it. So it's always good to go and check. But let's go ahead and talk about these first aid supplies because this is one of those things. I remember Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy talking about this years and years ago is, you know, you think you might have a nice supply of something, but in a true emergency or when you're dealing with injuries or when you're dealing with uh, just someone, you know, has cut themselves and using bandages, you can go through those things pretty quickly. And so even though you have a, a nice big box of bandages or, or uh, you know, whatever, pads or whatever, you might wind up realizing that uh, they, it really wasn't as many as you thought. So let's go ahead and uh, read this one here. There's a greater chance of needing to treat some sort of injury that someone in the family has than there is of having to treat an illness. Therefore, it only makes sense to be prepared to take care of those injuries. That means having the means to clean and bandage them regardless of the injury size. Before getting into specific first aid supplies to pick up at Walgreens, Let's talk a minute about what we're actually trying to accomplish with bandaging a wound. First aid supplies can be expensive, but there are alternatives we can use in some cases, which will actually do just as well, sometimes even better. Whenever we bandage a wound, it is necessary to clean the wound first, removing foreign matter from it. This can be done in most cases by rinsing it with water. If water is clean enough for you to drink, it's also clean enough to rinse an injury with. After that, an antibacterial cream, ointment, or poultice should be placed on the wound to kill any bacteria that are there on the surface or in the injury. Then the wound is bandaged, which catches the blood and promotes clotting. The bandage also works to help keep the injury clean so that it won't become infected. Long before modern adhesive bandages were invented, people were using cloth and even soft leather as bandages. These can be sterilized in boiling water, making them as safe for use as something coming out of the pharmacy. You'll most likely need to turn to cloth bandages eventually, although you will probably want some regular ones to start out with. So here are the first aid supplies you really should have. Rubbing alcohol or isopropyl alcohol as an antibacterial to clean out wounds. All right, I think a lot of that, so from, I think that's kind of like old information from what I know of now, just a lot of the times, uh, people will just use soap and water, and that is sufficient enough to clean out wounds. So, uh, you know, I'm not a medical doctor, and of course, you know, you have to wind up saying this for everything. You know, this is not professional medicine, medical advice. Um, so it's just, you know, my two cents there. 
but everything that I have dealt with from being on the campus and working with students who have cut themselves and, and working with the nurse to uh, having friends in the medical field, you know, it's just like soap and water is usually used to, uh, to clean wounds out. Um, next up is antibacterial ointment to help prevent infection. Bandages, rather than buying a lot of gauze or bandages, I recommend buying sanitary napkins. All right, so there is, I'll come back to that because I'm going to read two uh, comments in the comments section here. So there's like about 40 something comments here uh, that kind of go into that. So just hang tight after the uh, article, I'll go into that one. So these are much less expensive than bandages, are sterile and are designed for soaking up blood. They can be cut to the size needed, allowing you to cut the most out of them. Buy some thin ones and some thick ones as not all wounds are the same. All right, elastic bandages, not an absolute must, but useful for sprains and breaks. Medical tape. This is another expensive item that can be replaced by less expensive ones, especially if you are accustomed to using the new cohesive medical tape. I have used both masking tape and duct tape in place of medical tape. Both work well, although the duct tape can be difficult to remove. As a replacement for the cohesive medical tape, I recommend buying cling wrap of the type used for storing food in the refrigerator. It's a whole lot less expensive. The rolls can be cut to narrower widths and the cling wrap does a good job of mimicking the function of the cohesive tape. Now, one of the things uh, I know just because my, uh, my wife deals with this is an allergic reaction to a lot of the medical tape. So she uses paper tape. We have paper tape for her. And uh, that's one of the things that's actually recommended in one of the comments section below. So if you have family members who are allergic to certain types of tape, that's something that you really need to consider and, uh, and, and to have. And you might not even know that. You might not know if a family member is allergic or not. If that's not something you use bandages on, on a you know, you don't use bandages on them on a regular basis. And a lot of the times we don't, you know, first aid supplies, we, we, normally we, we pack up and we put them up somewhere and they're there for safekeeping. And sometimes they're out of place, out of mind. And so again, that's why it's so easy to forget what we have. And, and, and we think we have a bigger inventory than we actually have. And so, you know, that's one of those things that you, you need to revisit, like I mentioned. Okay. So next up here is tourniquet. So a good tourniquet is invaluable for serious injuries, but the good ones are rather expensive. However, the same thing can be done with a piece of cord like paracord and a stick to act as a windlass to tighten it up. Keep in mind that the idea to be able to fulfill the function rather than having something that looks pretty, bandages should be changed often at least twice a day. So even if you do try to buy regular bandages, you're going to need a lot of them to do the job. The substitutions I'm talking about here may not look all that good, but they'll work and that's ultimately what it's all about. A couple of pieces of important equipment. So having the right medical equipment can be just as important as having the right medical supplies. But once again, medical equipment can be expensive. Nevertheless, there are a couple of things which are important to have. Fine pointed tweezers for getting foreign matters out of wounds. And I really do like that. I think having some good tweezers, that's really important. And then this next one is really important as well. Thermometers for checking patients' temperatures, looking for an infection. And so if you, you know, you're thinking really, really long-term, 
I mean, they really have some really, you know, neat things. Like, remember back in the day, like when our kids were really young, you had the ear thermometer and you'd stick it in their ear and, and uh, you kind of worked it that way. And now they've got the ones where you just kind of point it at your head, man. And, you know, that, that winds up working as well. But uh, if you were in a long-term situation, I think you would want to have one of those old school thermometers. Just have that kind of put up and put in the back of, uh, you know, of your of your medical supplies somewhere just in case you couldn't find the batteries that you needed, but you needed to take someone's temperature. So that's one of, one of those things that's kind of just back there in the, in the back of my mind always. So one final point here. There are many other things I usually recommend in a family emergency first aid kit, which I have left out of this article. My goal here was to show you what you could do with $100 not to build a perfect first aid kit. The point is you don't really have to spend all that money to get something which will meet a lot of your needs. If you have more money to spend at a later date, then I would recommend augmenting the first aid supplies and medical equipment that I've listed here. But if you can't do that, what I've mentioned will meet most of your needs. So I wanted to go down to the comment section and read uh, a couple of comments here. And one is kind of short and the other one is uh, a lot longer, right? So it's going to uh, wind up adding to this article, but it's just kind of two different takes and uh, just ways of thinking about it. So the first one is this, sanitary napkins are not sterile. Why would they be? Original use, question mark, question mark. You can buy sterile ABD bandages. Cloth you buy for bandages can be boiled, but you won't be putting it on wet. As it dries, it will not be sterile. I would also recommend if you buy a tourniquet that you know what the heck you are doing. Never ever on a joint, not the time of application and how long to keep uh, to keep sterile. Get some training and buy some emergency shears, a good pair. So I think that emergency shears is a good piece of advice when you think of some of the first aid kits, like the emergency first aid kits uh, uh, that, that you can find, like individual first aid kits, especially for like gunshot wounds and different things like that, um, that people would wear or have on them, uh, you know, for those types of emergencies, they have really good shears on them. So then someone answered back to that one. We use sanitary napkins in, in NOM and the sandbox for dressings and tampons for penetrating wounds with a hole to plug. Jam them in there and help stop the bleeding as they swell a tad and keep further junk from getting in there. Perfect. The wound is already dirty anyway and some of the enemy dipped anim ammo tips and bungee sticks in animal poop and let them dry in the sun. A nearly sterile or pretty darn clean napkin or tampax for temporary use is fine to get you to the ER, so get over that. You got the real stuff nice and sterile, great, use it. If the SHTF and there is no ER, then use the cleanest stuff you have for the dressing after you've cleaned the wound. Even if you have a suture kit readily available and can stitch yourself up in the field with no antibiotics, one option is to leave the wound open, if not too bad or huge and gaping wide open, so you can clean it. It prevents infection, or to prevent infection. Once you sutured it, you can no longer get HTO in there to clean it, which invites and almost assures infection that will require antibiotics and could, if it got bad, make you septic and come down with a bad case of death. <laughs> so death is always bad, right? So in a pinch, vodka has been used to do the final cleaning of open wounds prior to closure or final dressing. 
If you have better sterile bandages to use, great, but expensive. But to use non-sterile temporarily to get you to real medical assistance is the least of your problems in many cases. Whatever made that wound wasn't sterile. I can almost assure you that a sanitary napkin or Tampax is far cleaner than what made that hole. Not sterile, but also not likely to hurt you either. So relax on that. Yes, sterile is best, but and then they have $3 signs there. And many are thin and not very absorbent. Yeah, got real ABD dressings? Use them. What happens when you run out? Now, if the wound isn't too bad and you can't clean it properly and professional attention is not needed or available anyway, by all means, use the sterile dressings when done addressing the wound and cleaning of same itself. Wounds like to breathe to heal, so don't generally use occlusive coverings. Then layer of triple antibiotic goop on the dressing over where the wound is often helps deforming scab to not stick to the bandage. Don't have that? Then use Vaseline on the dressing, a thin coat. You, you want it to breathe. You do not want to pull off your healing scab along with the dressing. For tape, try to just use the paper tape as the better quality tapes, depending on location used, will pull hair out. But some of the plastic-like tape wants to pull skin off of the elderly. So that's a good point. You know, a lot of elderly skin is very, very thin. So best is this tacky one side stretch on a little roll, two to four inches wide stuff to hold your bandage or dressing in place. It sticks to itself fairly well and you can always run a couple of loops of tape over and just barely snug. It works great on dogs, but you still have to keep them from removing it. In addition to rubbing alcohol, a couple of quarts of cheap Wally World H2O or H2O2 hydrogen peroxide is excellent for cleaning wounds and diluted down to half strength is adequate for a pour over wound cleaner. To clean deep lacerations you are not seeking professional care for, do not use full strength H2O2 for the cleanings as it can wash off the tissue trying to granulate in there to heal that wound. Use half strength at most. It's still working at carrying out dirt and goo and killing the bacteria well and helps not deplete your supply. Full strength peroxide is not better than the wound is trying to granulate and fill in the heel, including a scabby area. And so that's interesting. I've never really uh, considered, you know, diluting down hydrogen peroxide, but that was another one. I know that a friend of mine who is a nurse who works in ER it talks about, you know, we just, we try to not use that, right? And so um, in, in in looking at that and looking at hydrogen peroxide, hydrogen peroxide does have an expiration. Um, and so you might want to consider that as well. You know, if you're stockpiling a lot of that, uh, you know, you want to make sure that you're trying to rotate that out. So remember, Tylenol is okay for many for pain, but has zero effect on inflammation like ibuprofen and generic uh, naproxen having spades. Naproxen is a superior med for most, not all, for both pain and inflammation, and it's a twice-a-day med, not Q4 hours like Tylenol. This also means a bottle with 100 tabs is good for 50 days of use. A bottle of 100 Tylenol, not nearly that long. It's a win-win, cheap off the shelf at WW, WW, I guess Wally World, right? So most pain is accompanied by swelling tissue, even if you can't see it. Shelf life is very good and almost all pain meds are fine well after the outdate. I mean five years after. Might lose 5%, 5 to 8% potency two to four years past the outdate. Who cares? 
And again, I agree with that. And that is that is something to, to, to wrap your mind around because a lot of people are very uh, stuck on an expiration date, you know, especially with medicine. An expiration date, you know, comes and you just throw it away. And I think um, he talks about this a little bit later on. If it's not in this comment, it's other comments where people talk about how the medical community wants you want you to get used to throwing away your medicine. I, I don't do that. I keep all my medicine. The only thing I throw away is anything liquid if it expires because it's just not, you know, I just throw that away. But um, everything else I keep. And I do agree. And it's one thing that uh, I have heard. It, it's Again, it's hard for people to wrap their heads around. Some people will argue with you. I mean, I, I know I've had it done before where they just argue, argue, argue. And I'm like, okay, if you don't want it, throw it away. I mean, do whatever you want to do with it. But, um, you know, studies have been done that the only thing that happens is it loses its potency. It's the same thing for antibiotics. So he talks a little bit about antibiotics here in this next little section of, of this comment. So one notable exception among meds is an antibiotic is the now rarely used tetracycline, which you don't have anyway, and it's not for pain either. Never take old tetra, can shell your, your kidneys. Point is, very few meds harm you after the outdate. They just start to lose a slight amount of potency. I know of no off-the-shelf med for pain that will hurt you five years after the outdate, provided that they were kept clean, dry, sealed. I'm still using 20-year-old aspirin from the dollar store and breaking them in quarters for my daily aspirin use. I got a few bottles of that when you got 250 to 350 tabs for a buck. The RX business tries to scare you into throwing out perfectly good stuff, just like the food companies do with canned foods, veggies, etc. I'm a combat marine and an advanced practice RN with 30 years under my belt. Of course, I am not giving you legal professional license advice here, just food for thought. Your mileage may vary. So again, there's a lot of other good uh, comments here. You can go check those out. And so uh, combat marine. So my dad was in Vietnam and he was a medic in the Navy and served uh, with a lot of the Marines and was in uh, Da Nang during the Tet Offensive and has stories like uh, like you wouldn't imagine. And so, um, you know, every time <laughs> there's like a medical question, I, I ask dad and, uh, you know, he, he gives me his old uh, his old information, which is a lot of it is still very, very useful. And there's been a lot of advances in medicine as well. And a lot of things out there that I'm sure they w- would have wished to have had during, you know, in Vietnam that anybody can get over the counter now and on Amazon. So the point of this article was talking about stocking up on meds. And so one of the things that, you know, the, he gave you a few uh, ideas here of different things you might want to stockpile. Again, Dr. Bones's interview that we did uh, a while back has a lot more and in specific information that you might want to go take a look at as well. But I do recommend that you stock up on the things that you use. Um, down here, you know, in Houston with uh, the pollen the way it is and allergies the way they are, you know, I, I try not to take allergy medicine. I try not to do that kind of stuff. But sometimes just the sinus pressure is so bad, I don't want to deal with that headache and try to try to work through it or push through it. So I take medicine. So it's one of those things that I want to make sure I have that for, for me, for my family. So I've ordered it. You know, one a place where I have ordered, it's kind of weird. Like when you go to Walgreens and you order uh, or you, you have to go behind the counter to the pharmacist 
and you buy some, um, it's like there's a, an Advil allergy relief that we use. And so you have to get that behind the counter and they want to, you know, only give you a certain amount of boxes. They'll only give you two. Well, you can get on Amazon and order as much as you want. It's really kind of weird where on, you know, at Walgreens or CVS or wherever you go, uh, they limit the number that you can buy, but on Amazon, they do not limit. So that might be something that you want to look into is if you want to buy online and uh, purchase, you know, purchase things online where you can stockpile a little bit more. Um, a lot of people go to the dollar store and they buy things, you know, a little bit at a time so they can stock up, especially if they're, um, they're wanting to, uh, be careful with their spending and their expenses, and uh, they want to manage that a little bit better. So there are things that you can buy at the dollar store. I mean, sometimes they don't always uh, check out. Some, you know, sometimes they don't always add up um, or are cheaper than buying. Let's say, like if you bought it from Amazon or something like that. So you know, that's something that you need to consider if you are able to spend. You know, the money to to make sure that it's worth it. But if you only have a certain amount of money, it's like, hey, I only have like five or 10 bucks that I want to spend on medical supplies. Well, then you can quickly add up just going to the dollar store every week or every month and, and going that way. Um, even dollar stores are dealing with shortages now. So this is something that you don't want to wait on. If this is something you know that you need, if there's medical supplies that you need, if there's over-the-counter medicine that you need, you really need to start looking into purchasing and stockpiling that now, especially with all the shortages that we're hearing about and the supply chains and all the things that, that go on with all of that. So uh, just, you know, something to consider here. Um, you know, that's always kind of in the back of my mind, especially with what has happened over this last year, you know, you know 18 months and uh, all the shortages that uh, are, uh, that everyone says are, you know, are coming eventually. You know, I want to make sure that I have what I need for my family. All right, guys. So like always, I'm going to link to this article in the show notes. And so you can go over and read all the comments. Uh, I think that's always valuable, especially when there's a lot and people giving information. Of course, you you have to really, you know, uh, weed through all of that and, and find out, do, do greater research, especially when you're talking about uh, medicine and uh, first aid supplies and advice that people are giving online. And I like the piece where it said, hey, get some training if you can. You know, if you can get some CPR training for free, if you can get some first aid training, you know, go do that. Get some basic training um, that could come in very, very useful. And again, if you want to dive a little bit deeper into this, don't forget to hit those two interviews that I did with Dr. Bones, you know, episode 524 and then episode 525. And even if you have listened to them, it's been a long while. I mean, we're on episode 706 now, right? So you know, you can go back and, and listen to them again. And maybe there's something that you missed the very first time that you can go ahead and say, you know what, I don't have any of that. And, uh, you know, they made a good point. I'm going to go ahead and add some of that to my stockpile. So I made it really easy for you to uh, go back there and, and link to that. Well, everyone, that's it for episode 706. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Make sure you click the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And don't forget, if you're looking for more preparedness and self-reliant information, head on over to PrepperWebsite.com where we link to 8 to 12 articles every day of the very best self-reliant articles out there. We also have pages dedicated to alternative news, firearms, DIY, Bible prophecy, frugal living, and homesteading. And lastly, don't forget to join the email list if you haven't. 
When you do, I'm going to send you a free PDF on 25 handpicked preparedness articles that you should read. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next time, live with no regrets and stay prepped and aware. Peace.